Hi, and welcome to the Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast. Every week, we will talk to the great, the good, and the legendary from the worlds of food, drink, marketing, and business to help give you the advice that will really help your brand boom. A huge thanks to our headline sponsors, the award-winning Engage Interactive. Engage Interactive have been helping hospitality businesses like yours prepare for a mobile and digital first world since 2007. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. So I'm broadcasting from Brighton and at home. A little bit dour today and sunny, nice, warm, but just a little bit dour. But what cheered me up no end was an amazing chat with someone who brought my two passions in life together in one podcast, and that is Tom Oliver, who is director at Oliver Cider. So not only does Tom and his team make the most incredible craft ciders that I think I've ever tasted, they also, or he also, is the tour manager for the Proclaimers, the actual real Proclaimers. So it was really tempting to spend an hour just talking about the Proclaimers and how great they are, But we managed to talk a little bit about that, a little bit about the current situation of COVID, but more importantly, about incredible ciders, how to make them, what you expect from them, and how you can enjoy them when the sun does shine. So it gives me the most cider and perry pleasure ever to introduce my next guest, who I'm really excited to talk to. And it is Tom Oliver, who is director at Oliver's Cider and Perry Limited. Hello, Tom. Hello, Mark. How are you today? <laughs> all good. All good. Yeah, just the only problem is when you're recording these things from home, you've got to shut all the windows because, you know, usually roadworks start or a bin lorry goes past or some kids shouting or so I'm sweltering here. Um, <laughs> I, um, I'm going to feel sorry for you because... Uh, uh, out where I am in the country, uh, I've got the window open, and the loudest noise I can hear is chattering birds. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> it's very pleasing, very pleasing. So um, it was a bit of a, a chance meeting, actually, in the sense of um, Gabby, who produces the show. You know, so I saw a little bit about you, and so I said, "Oh, I think Tom would be an amazing guest for you to talk to." And this was, you know, on the cider side of things, but obviously, you've got a another secret life that we can go into as well, which is a, a huge passion of mine too, but we'll, we'll get on to that. Thanks. But yeah, thinking about um, just going back a bit then, well, in fact, before we do that, what's the situation now? You know, what what's happening in terms of the, the, the COVID crisis and all that, you know, just to have a check-in with you on that. What's How's your world? Well, Mark, it, the, it, the interesting thing is that uh, initially – you always thought that things would come to a dead halt. And in actual mm. fact, uh, as with everything, it hasn't. Um, yeah. The one good thing f- uh, for us as producers was that we were uh, allowed to keep producing and allowed to keep working because obviously out in the country, uh, we're not really um, going to be on top of each other. Um, we can we can maintain distance, etc. So we we can keep working quite safely. Uh, we're a very small f- uh, f- firm, anyway. We've only got three people at any one time 
um, working on site, so it's easy to social social distance. But of course, uh, there's no point in producing cider if you haven't got someone to consume it. And with all the pubs and bars and everything closed, all draft sales are gone. But bottles and off sales, online sales, and lots of pubs and off licenses doing an about turn really and and doing deliveries themselves uh selling online etc has meant that the bottle side of things has gone r- really really well and actual fact i think has probably surprised a lot of us um so that's healthy um it's meant that we've been able to keep going uh volumes are down but uh, uh everything's everything's continuing so that's the main thing Excellent. Well, that's really good news. And I think a lot of people have seen that. And I'm so impressed with the agility of some of, especially the smaller pubs, uh, you know, getting a website up there, getting a delivery going and and going for it. And I think the nice thing is your relationships changed a little bit with, you know, things like you produce, which is it's an occasion, it's a treat, it's a something to really look forward to. And I think you appreciate it even more, you know, when it when it turns up and you know, I think it's I great. think I think you're I think you're uh I think you're right. The the um one of the things that's pleased us a lot, um and as you if you mentioned just now this about turn, Felix Nash at uh, Fine Cider Company in London, who's my uh cider merchant in London, he went from being basically uh, a a trade distributor to Mm -hmm. doing uh, online retail and delivery. And he about turned the whole business and the emphasis of the website, et cetera, within the space of a couple of days. And so it is really been a good time for people who can be flexible and, and, and creative. And then in terms of product, the thing that's really pleased me is I'm a massive advocate of the 750 mil bottle. Uh, it's it for me. It, it has a a, a a credibility attached to it. It has an image attached to it, um, and it is the sort of volume that I I like to drink at. And so, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the the it, and it was deemed as being oh you know it's it's it doesn't work. It's not good for this or it's not good for that. It, it's really proven to be a fantastic uh, uh, quantity to be selling at this time. So I'm really pleased that 750 mil bottle has has come on very strong. Well, the one I don't know how you pronounce it, but is it Dabney or Dabinet? Uh, Dabinet, yes. Yeah, that stood out on your product pages so much. Like you know, I just want it now. Like it looked so alluring. It looks so classy. It you know it it, it really feels like this is a almost a new category that could emerge from this, you know, and, and people will be really into it, drinking it like wine. Uh, I think I, I'm hoping that that, that is uh, just reinforcing what we're trying as uh, certainly as the, the, the more uh, craft uh, stroke, maybe smaller independent thinking, modern progressive cider maker is trying to do is, is, is just introduce to people the possibility that this drink is something that really does sit on the table well. It it pairs with foods really well, um, and it both looks and tastes very classy nowadays. Um, yeah, 
and and the, as I say, the general reaction and the way people are ordering uh, over the last couple of months has has seemed very positive on that front. It's been great. I have to say as well, your branding looks beautiful. Um, you know, it's really it's like that old kind of general store. Yeah, you know, it's it's such a fine line to look classy and look independent and crafty. Well, I, I can take no credit for that, uh, <laughs> but uh, once again, uh, you know that's in, that's uh, introduced uh, by Felix at uh, Fine Cider Company. He's he's been very uh, helpful and progressive on that front because, as much as uh, I can probably make a drop of cider, um, my ability to uh, see um, modern. Um, forward-thinking design and looks is severely impaired, and uh, I really need—I really need someone to 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 make to make the bottle uh, look uh, and reflect the quality of the liquid inside. And uh, thanks for saying because I'm very pleased with the reaction to these. Oh, it's great, and and, and I think the other thing is exactly what you've said you know through my career I've worked with more sort of beer companies than cider but it's the same thing that they're saying we've got gold winning you know gold medal championship lager ale whatever it is but our branding just doesn't match and there's so many I've got it the other way that their branding is incredible but the liquid doesn't really stand up so um, it's a tough one to get right but I tell you what if you've never spoken to the honest burgers lads right he'd be a good person to speak to because you've it looks very very similar in a good way you know it's that kind of real honest to goodness woodblock um you know very british sort of look so yeah i'd check them out because um i think you'd be like peas in a pod it's a a, a great thing so just going back then yeah um you know background and, and all that stuff so what were you doing sort of early on and and when were you first introduced to cider so cider is part of the fabric in in Herefordshire. Uh, I think every farm uh, made cider, um, and over the years, though the number of orchards has diminished and the number of farms making cider has diminished, it's still uh, a very important aspect of farming in, in Herefordshire because a lot of apples are grown for the big producer boomers. And mm-hmm. the almost as big uh, westerns, and there are many cider making uh, companies in in Herefordshire. So th- the apples are about, um, and I think the uh, earliest memories that I have for me of cider was drinking cider made by Frank Powell on top of a bale of no, on on a bale of hay, which was on top of a load of hay coming off a field and it was the end of the day and people were passing around this homemade cider um i i was nine or ten at the time it, it hadn't it it made its mark on me but i'm i'm not able to remember whether i thought it was good or bad it's just yeah, yeah. It was probably it is probably not so you know the first alcoholic drink i'd ever tasted uh so it was memorable um for, for that reason um and you know cider then just was always a drink i was drawn to i'm not a i'm not instinctively a beer man i've never been a, a wine drinker 
and uh, cider agrees with me, um, and I agree with it. So it's a, it's a drink I've stuck with. I drank a lot of Western cider when I was younger, um, and that was generally the most readily available uh, cider that was speaking to me, as it were. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's where it all kicked off from. Nice. And then from there, then, what happened? So were you finishing school, college, university, and then first jobs and all that stuff? What, what were you doing prior to, to that? Okay, so I, I academically, uh, I probably didn't really succeed. I went to agricultural college down in Devon, which mm-hmm. allowed me to continue my cider theme. And uh, I probably spent a little bit too much in the cider bar in Newton Abbott. Um, <laughs> I was in good company. Um, Andy Atkinson from Cornish Orchards uh, was a student there as well. Oh, is that right? And he frequented there. And he, he's he's done very well for himself. So, Are these still fuller zoned? Uh, yes. Well, they're now uh, Asahi. Asahi owned, yeah, yeah. Yes, so... Wow. Um, I think I've got that right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so, yeah. Um, but he's, he's pretty much retired, I think from, from being day to day there now. Um, Lovely. but he's got a, a, a Andy, uh, has a fantastic palate and always somebody I love t- to go drinking cider with. Um, we went to Normandy uh, in a small gang of us once with him and it, it, it when you when you when you're drinking uh, a, a, a liquid that you really like and you've got somebody who who really understand it it makes it so much more fun and uh, yeah. informative yeah great palette um so yeah so uh, i never finished the course at, at seal hain because i was hell bent uh, on joining the world of rock and roll and uh, so i left uh, with a term to go, uh, disappointing. I think everyone at home really understandably yeah. so, uh, when you announce that you're going off to uh, you know be a roadie or do something in music, and you, when asked what, you just go, "I have no idea, but I want to do it." But mm-hmm. I know how much I've approached everything uh, through through my life. I think um, if I get a feeling I want to do something, I just I just get on and and do it. So, uh, yeah, so I set off trying to make a living touring, which uh, eventually I did. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast is also brought to you by BDO, the trusted accountancy and advisory firm. As the finance experts in hospitality, BDO have the experience and the insight to provide solid foundations for your business's future growth. BDO really are the go-to team to help your hospitality business succeed. If you're in need of a dedicated transactional team bolstered with corporate finance, audit and tax services, talk to BDO, who've got the right expertise, knowledge and experience to drive your restaurant or bar's business throughout their full life cycle. As thought leaders across the sector, BDO offers commercial and technical updates specifically tailored to restaurants and bars, including their annual hospitality reports. BDO also have a well-established network in the industry that spans across finance directors, suppliers and advisors, and they are always willing to use this to their clients and their contacts' advantage. Get in touch today at BDO 
www.hospitalitybusiness.co.uk to chat about how they can help take your hospitality business to the top. And please say that I sent you. What sort of bands were you with? Was it all just one band or were you with all different ones? I was working mostly with local bands. And of course, for me, local meant one particular bunch of folks and they happened to be the three male members of what became the Pretenders. So I was looking after uh, James Honeyman Scott, uh, or Jimmy Scott as we knew him, um, looking after his guitars and ferrying him around to rehearsals and so forth, um, right up until the moment that he left to go up to London to join the Pretenders. So I was very lucky. I was working with some what I could see was real talent, mm. getting a lot of great information, under, what what I think um, was important early on is is understanding the mentality of of, of people who are musicians, performers uh, in the in the rock business. You know, it's it's certainly not for everybody, um, mm. and you you have you have to, you have to understand what what goes on and how it goes on, and learn how to work with it and deal with it. And so it was it was great experience for me. Obviously, I was gutted uh, when they went off and. Uh, he went off, joined the Pretenders, and left me high and dry in, in Hereford. I would have loved mm. to have gone with him, but I, I didn't have the experience, and, and quite rightly so. So at that particular moment, I was looking for a job, and the first job I got was with a band from Scotland called The Head Boys. It, it was a good start anyway. They were, they were a good band to work with. And then I went from them to, to do a lot of reggae, actually. I started with a band called Capital Letters, and then Steel Pulse. Then I was doing Gregory Isaacs, Burning Spear. Um, wow. Fascinating. You know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a 20-something-year-old from Herefordshire, and <laughs> I'm working with top Jamaican guys. Um, <laughs> I, it was fantastic. Uh, and, of course, sonically fascinating. Uh, yeah. Layering of sound w- with, with reggae is, is brilliant. Um, and it will definitely in it definitely comes back in when I'm blending ciders as well. It's it's about layering. It's it's about getting everything, uh, you know, a harmonious drink, a harmonious tune, harmonious sound. The whole thing. It, it, there's a lot of similarities anyway. Um, so reggae was great, and then um, uh, I, I seem to move from reggae. I went to pop, haircut 100, stray cats. I learned an awful lot with them. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> Can you say what? <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> but um, uh, but they, they were they were the first um, uh, artist who really took care of the people that worked with them. From the Stray Cats, they recommended me to uh, a young band that had just signed with Virgin called It Bites, who were another different type of music. It was it was in a way progressive rock, prog rock. And uh, these young lads were ferocious players, ferocious singers, and great writers. And they came out with a couple of, for me, phenomenal albums. And 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 they were they were the band that a lot of prog rock bands like Yes and Jethro Tull, uh, etc., just were in awe of in a way. And uh, I I learnt a lot once again about mixing. Um, them and I'd started tour managing them as well, so I was cutting my teeth on tour managing. Shall I keep going? Yeah, uh, yeah, good. <laughs> then, yeah. Then, then after that, um, 
I moved through a few different things, but I, I was then working with everything but the girl, which is yet again another chain oh, of music and everything, but uh, um, that was great. So utilizing uh, tour management skills really more than sound there, though I latterly did start doing sound from um, when they'd when they'd uh, reinvented themselves with missing, etc. So 13 odd years with them, uh, but interspersed with them, I'd done a period with Van Morrison and coming off of Van Morrison tour, I went back to London A tour. I was going to do was canceled. And they said, would you like to go and work with the proclaimers? So we're talking 88, 89. Now I went up to Manchester, met them instantly realized that I'd be very happy working, uh, working with them. Um, Great lads. Um, you know, bright, interested, totally focused on the live show. So yeah, hit it off. I obviously am still just about competent enough because I'm still there. Uh, still go out with them whenever they tour. And um, this is, well, I, I I hesitate to add the number of years up, but it's it's <laughs> it's, it's too many years to think about uh, since '88. But there you go. Um, 20, yeah, it's 20, 20 something, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so I mean, I've spent, I spent, you know, a huge chunk of my working life um, working with them. Um, well, that's an exciting time because I mean, that was sunshine on leaf territory, wasn't it? Yeah, Just launching around that time. Yeah, we. Yeah, I came in as soon as they went from a duo to a band. Um, wow, and uh, yeah, that that that. So it was. It was. It was very exciting. They're very, uh, you know, going through a, a pop phase in a way in terms of the reaction from audiences and uh, so forth. And it, it's it's become um, to work on it. You know, to tour an album that has become one of the most well known albums. Um, at least one song on it that's become. Uh, so well known that I think there's a strong possibility that m- more people know the song 500 miles than they know that it's a song by the proclaimers. Well, that, that's the worry I always have, right? You know, when, when you see it, you know, about the proclaimers, because they've had that sort of inverted commas novelty hit, mm. then people don't delve into everything else. And, you know, there's so much, you know, politicism in their songs, genius in the in the lyrics, and you know, when and obviously just some stuff for me. But you know, I'm a Kilmarnock fan, so you know, the the joyful yeah. Kilmarnock blues is always a big one. And then, um, you know, things like Irvine No More. I mean, I was born in Irvine, right? So, yeah. um, and you couldn't believe it. I mean, my the, my eyes came out of my head when I heard them singing that on top of the pops. It's like they're singing about my whole hometown that like that never happened and also apart from the trash can sinatras they're the only one of the only bands that sing in their accents yeah yeah you know which is so exciting for anyone scottish you know but oh i mean i cry or greet as you would say every time i see them live you know i'm in bits i'm an absolute mess so i probably shouldn't go and see them anymore (laughs) Um, you you would be amongst many um you know (laughs) But, you know, just to anyone listening, if you, you know, are thinking, 
one hit wonders and all that stuff. I mean, you're so wrong. So get the, as a start off, if you get the, the best of, I think it was out in 2002, it's got an amazing forward from um, Matt Lucas, yeah. um, you know, talking about them in there and it just changes your mind on everything. And the documentary that was on BBC, and it might still be on iPlayer right now, uh, with David Tennant was excellent as well, I thought. Yes. You know, so definitely check that out. Give them another go. Get your windows open and get it on loud. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's excellent. Okay, right. So then from rock and roll then, um, you're, you're sort of moving into cider. So what was the segue between okay. that or balancing both? Yeah. So uh, for me, the brilliant thing about, uh, you know, being born on the farm, um, the the reason I'm able to do uh, what I do and live the life I live is because my brother is 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 committed to the farm and is here all the time um, and manages it and does a fantastic job navigating uh, the, the the fairly uh, non-committed um, uh, way uh, way the government has been with agriculture over recent times, especially small farms. Um, how the confused state of the world that they're encouraging everybody to, uh, you know, uh, treat their farms in a good way, make it good for nature, uh, not be intensive, be extensive, etc. I mean, the very things we've always done, and yet it still is incredibly hard uh, to make a living from it. So I need to keep uh, both my passions going i need to keep the music going and i need to keep the cider going so the cider was born out of part diversification and part my interest in cider itself um and the realization i think that came with when i understood that i could uh mix songs and mix tunes in a live performance sense i also then at some stage understood that i could blend cider and make cider that people wanted to drink um and that probably came about more when i was getting into my late 40s um i started to really want to get involved in cider i wanted i i, I wanted to take something that had been a, a sort of casual thing that you did in the autumn with friends to just make something that you could drink at home i wanted to take that further so um 1999 i started uh, sold my first cider and We've started building over the last 20 years a really small, very focused, though, craft-based cider business. Um, and we've we've developed, a, I think, hopefully a, a good reputation for making great cider. Um, and that's really the thrust behind it. I, lo- I love the comparison, though, about the mixing tunes and the mixing... You know, the the blending the flavors. I think that's so important, and the layering that you were talking about as well. I think it's it must be so joyous for you, you know, to have that skill in one sense, and and for it to be applicable and transferable to to something else. That's really cool. It it it, it really it is, and I think it's uh, I think Pete Brown, um, the author, uh, yeah, really, you know, picked picked that out in a way when he was interviewing me once, and it. it it was something I hadn't really considered. He saw it like that, and I think he he saw me in, in almost as a composer. Um, so, 
Pete's owed some royalties for that, right? Oh, always, always. <laughs> I mean, it's the, it's the only royalty I know. Is 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 it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Alex from Engage, and thanks for tuning in to the Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Each week, we'll be bringing you a great tip to supercharge your own digital marketing. And this week's comes from Kate, our senior marketing manager. It doesn't pay to only share news about your business or products. Only your keenest fans will follow you solely for brand news. You have to consider what content your target demographics will find valuable and interesting, and then find ways to build that into your own plans. At Engage, we like to split our content into three categories, inform, drive, and engage. Drive posts focus on product, inform posts share updates on new developments, and engage posts are purely to attract attention and spark conversation. By keeping a good balance of post types, you can ensure your content is valued by social media algorithms and maintains visibility. By delivering your audience plenty of engaging content that's interesting and entertaining to them, you also give yourself the opportunity to market your products to them. We plan our content month by month in calendars with color codes for each post type. This helps us to keep a good balance. You could also consider getting different objectives for each. For example, purchases for drive posts, landing page traffic for informed posts, and comments for engaged posts. If you need any help with your own content strategy, then head over to engageinteractive.co.uk forward slash podcast, where you can see how we've helped some of the UK's most ambitious and successful hospitality brands with theirs. Cheers, and enjoy the rest of the episode. So a couple of things then, just thinking about, um, you know, getting into some details. So there's chat about cider and perry and the different, varieties and apples and pears and all this stuff be really good to try and sort of explain that and clear that up for people okay so the two things that that are really important is um apples make cider and pears make perry but deeper than that there are some apples that are more suitable for making cider than other apples and there are some pears that are more suitable for making perry than other pears so traditionally um herefordshire has been renowned for growing cider apples um there's a lot of uh time and effort has gone into either finding or encouraging these varieties to be grown um and the traditional ciders have generally been made from them but of course this great big lovely modern world that we live in is in a way driving a coach and horses through that. So there's an awful lot of cider out there now that is not made from these traditional cider apples. And some of it is really, really good. And so we are now in the situation where with apples, almost any apple can make a cider. It is up to you as a consumer and a drinker to find the one that pleases you most or the one that tells you uh, the best story in terms of what you get out of the drink. Um, And so something that would have been almost cut and dried 30, 40 years ago, you used tannic, bittersweet cider apples to make cider. It's no longer the case. It's it's a much wider uh, situation now. And I think maybe uh, healthier. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, some fantastic ciders uh, from all around the world now that haven't got uh, a cider apple per se in them, but they're still great ciders. Um, It's made us uh, traditional based cider makers sit up and realize that um, 
there's some new kids on the block. We could better get our act together. <laughs> and what about um, the, the the differences then? So what makes okay yeah. craft versus commercial? And also, I'd, I'd like to know about flavoured ciders and, and where you stand on dark fruits and all the rest of it. Okay. Um, so the... Uh, I think let's let's deal with uh, let's deal with uh, flavored ciders. There's a huge market for them, um, and as long as I don't have to drink them, I'm <laughs> I'm 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 not. I I think uh, the the marketplace will dictate what the producer will make. But my 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 concern would always be is that if people drinks. If people drink a fruit cider and it is the only experience they ever have of cider, then I personally am going to suggest that they're missing out on potentially a whole lot of uh, taste and experience that they won't be getting from the fruit cider. Um, mm-hmm. It's it it is de- it's deceiving uh, the consumer that this is what cider is all about. And really, it isn't. It's a, it's a uh, it's a it's a modern fad that will probably diminish over time, and it will still leave the core of cider making there. Um, hopefully, uh, and sorry to use that word "core," but it, <laughs> it, fun. it yeah, it's 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 something that I I hope people will dig deeper to discover more about the category than just assuming that, you know, uh, something with some sweetness and some fruit flavor added is mm-hmm. what cider's all about because it it definitely isn't. Um, so what else did we want to uh, delve into there? Um, so it was, yeah, just the differences really between, you know, the, the mass commercial ones and, and the taste difference to, to what you've got and... Okay. and- yeah, you know, yeah. So, so the thing um, when when I get get on my high horse about this, what I'm always interested in is is these these wonderful apples are growing all around the world, and and they have real taste potential, um, and and the whole ability to take an apple and transform it into a drink that's got real structure uh, and character. Uh, great drinkability uh, has uh, a great authenticity, traceability. It's sustainable and all that. This this great drink that I could suggest that there are uh, a, lo- a a good number of small, independent thinking, um, quality based cider makers that are making drinks that really reflect the fruit and reflect the fact that they understand the structure of a good cider, which is with maybe having a, a nice tannic uh, backbone and then some nice acidity that will match the sweetness and, and allow the fruit characteristics of the cider to come out. You know, th- these these are the ciders that I think are really exciting and the ones that to, to take the category forward. There is, on the other hand, a lot of cider uh, available and drunk that they're not really trying to bring out the characters of the apple and and the structure that these apples can provide you with. 
they're producing a drink that really I think is uh, almost homogenized, uh, character reduced, so that in actual fact you you really aren't tasting anything in a way when you drink it. It's just purely probably cold, fizzy, and the uh, the, the last bastion of description refreshing um but but maybe bugger all else and but that's that's maybe uh, sort of describing um a lot of the cider that's available and it's it's disappointing once again if that is everybody's first and last stop in terms of drinking cider because the the category deserves um a greater um delving into and I think one of the big responsibilities we have as small cider makers or representing cider as we think it can be made, um, we, we need to get out there more. We need to let people know that there is another side of cider out there. You, that you, if you dig deeper, it will reward you. Um, and yeah. we can produce, you know, a drink that's fit for the table uh, great for pairing with food, etc., uh, etc. Et and then when the process is happening, you know you're at the the sound cider desk or whatever the mixing desk. <laughs> what what's what's the what is the process then? You know, okay. going end to end. So um, cider making itself is the simplest of things uh, in, in in the way that you can look at it. You get the fruit. And it will in the in the UK be ripe in the autumn, from September through to December. You collect the fruit, you mill it, you then press it, and you extract the juice. And that juice can then be used to ferment uh, into cider. And that 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 is that is the foundation of cider making for, for everybody. Um, for some people that cider making would involve maybe adding sugar to the apple juice and to make uh, then adding a yeast to ferment a cider through quickly to dry and then they would maybe add water to dilute it back and then sweeten it and make it fizzy and package it and that's one way of making cider and then there's the way that I make cider and many others like me make cider, which is taking this fruit. You have the seasonal aspect to it. It is like wine. You, you have the harvest, you have the one chance then to ferment it. And then you don't adulterate it or anything. You, you just have that fermented juice to work with in the spring in terms of whether you want to, see whether you want to release it as a single variety uh, made from just one type of apple or whether you wish to blend it and create uh, a drink that uh, has more complexity through blending um, and whether you want to make it a a light, easily accessible cider or whether you want to make it a a lovely big, heavy, complex, tannic cider uh, that's going to give you loads of phenolics and these phenolics will be uh, responsible for a lot of the aroma characteristics and these aromas will be things like people will use words like barnyard horse sweat horse blanket orchard floor <laughs> musty 
leathery, booky, and you'll go, huh? You're, you're, you're creating a drink with where the aroma characteristics are, are these, you know, uh, are described admirably by these words. And you'll think, surely that's not something I'm going to want to drink. But of course, this is just a very, very small part of the bigger thing. And some of the most wonderfully fruity, complex ciders exhibit all these characteristics. So it's it's a glimpse into the world of cider um, that that is normally maybe reserved for wine. Um, that cider has a complexity and a depth and a character that can match an equal wine uh, in many cases. And this this is this is what the possibility is for cider um and it is why we want to in a way challenge people and also work really really hard at bringing this cider that most people aren't even aware of exists in front of people and then what about you know the the mishaps that have happened then because you know I'm thinking about WD forty you know water displacement forty you don't just come up with it straight away. Um, what what's been the the best or worst combinations that you've come up with or interesting oh, things you discovered? Yeah, I've in in the last four four years I've been working on some wonderful hybrid drinks, which is where we are mixing beer warts with cider apple juice and i've been doing it uh, primarily with uh, uh, johnny mills from mills brewing who is a, a, a formidable brewer um really really knows his uh his his science and has a great palate great nose and um we we set out on trying to create a, 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 a new drink that would appeal to <laughs> beer drinkers and cider drinkers and pay homage to all the wonderful spontaneous fermentation drinks that come out of Brussels and Belgium, the Lambics and the Gerses and things like that. And we have made some things that have been very, very well received, albeit in very modest quantities. Uh, but have been seen selling on eBay for like 250 pounds for a bottle. Uh, so they, they have, they have a, they have a value to some poor people. Um, <laughs> one of them, I had the genius brainwave of adding fresh pressed strawberry juice to, to mimic a Belgium Crick, which is a cherry thing, but I wanted to, I wanted a big fruit input on one of these, uh, sour style hybrid beer side of things. And so, uh, set about getting loads of strawberries, which I got people to sieve the juice down, etc., etc. I mean, took, took a day, of, uh, an awful lot of strawberries in value, a lot of time and labor value and everything. Anyway, got this juice, added it to this hybrid drink and, uh, promptly, uh, watched it turn to vinegar over a period of about six or eight weeks. Um, and it was a magnificent disaster, which never got released, of course. Um, we'll probably see the light of day as a vinegar in the end. Um, but it was a it was an inspired idea that went horribly wrong and has cost a lot of money. Um, and 
the important thing is, of course, you just never release anything that isn't 100%. And I think that's something that everybody should learn. Don't just put something out there because it's been made. And best ones, when were the kind of eureka moments where you're like, wow, this is the one? Uh, in a way, every, everyone that works is a eureka moment because it's it's sort of, I don't know, I, if, if I'm running this composing thing and writing songs um, alongside blending ciders, too, whether I'm making too much of a thing about it, but, you know, everybody's, you're only as good as your next uh, tune. You're only as good as your next song. And I very much feel I'm only as good as my next cider because the, the cider that you've made, you've made. You're happy with it. It's It's out there and then you just want to sell it and so the challenge is the next one you've got to, i've got to blend it i've got to make it i've got to make it hopefully as good if not better than the last one um and and that's that's a that's always a huge challenge and in that case for me the the one that gives me on an annual basis the most satisfaction is my vintage cider which is uh using cider that's at least two years old and has been in oak for two years, and we're blending to get a, a still cider that's fully fermented. But I'm wanting lots of spice, some oak, some 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 charring from the wood, uh, lots of lots of deep red apple fruit from it. And w- we do it every year. And every year so far, everyone's really enjoyed that particular vintage and what it had to offer because it directly reflects the season that the fruit grew in uh it reflects the um the wild yeast that live in my buildings and all my equipment which are responsible for doing the fermentation and then again it, you know it's the final bit is just my palate and, and the blending of it but every year we get a chance to make this vintage cider and every year when it works i'm, I'm really really happy and so far every year it has worked Nice. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The Supersonic Marketing Podcast is also brought to you by Atenzi, the world's leading gamified simulation training provider. Even before the COVID-19 crisis, a LinkedIn study found that more than half of learning and development professionals were looking at remote learning solutions. Given hospitality's new reality, how do you plan to train your staff to accelerate your business out of these tough times? With Atenzi's gamified simulation training, you can accurately recreate the situations and environments that your people will face day in, day out to engage and rapidly develop their abilities. Forget static e-learning, dusty training manuals and passive videos and embrace training's new era with Atenzi. Find more information and get started today at attenzi.com forward slash restaurants. Um, and what about um, varieties of apples? This was just a bit of a fun question. You know, who's naming them, the patents? <laughs> There's some amusing ones out there. What, what goes on? Who does it? You know, what's, what happens? Okay. So, I mean, yeah, in, in, the, in the boring world of modern apple varieties where you have words like honey crisp, and it's been patented, and um, and somebody owns it. Um, the the fun the fun times were the namings of a lot of the original 
or early cider apples or peri pears. And, and they had great ones. Like there's a pear called the, the stinking bishop. Um, and there's, you know, which is a great, and, and that stinking bishop actually it, it's, it's been used to Charles Martel has used it for one of his really, really honking, wonderfully, uh, odorous, soft cheeses. Um, and, uh, he's washed it in Perry made from the stinking Bishop pear. Um, uh, there's a pear called Merry Legs. Um, and that got its name, obviously reasons, you know, after drinking Perry made from, uh, uh, from this, this particular pair, your, your, you, your legs were definitely not what they should have been and you, you would be collapsing. So Merry Legs brought that one out. Um, people always say with, with apples, there's slack my girdle, which I won't tell you why that's, <laughs> that's, uh, uh, that's, that's a great name. They, they also used to name after where the apple was first, I say discovered, but recognized. So my favorite cider apple is Yarlington Mill, and, and that was discovered uh, growing out of a mill in Yarlington in Somerset. And somebody had made cider with it, and they thought, oh, this is a fantastic apple. Um, and so it, its name came directly from its, its location. Um, and locally, we've got a cider apple called Brown Snout, and so called because it's it's um, at the opposite end of the apple from the stalk is the eye of the apple, the calyx, and round there there's a, a, a russeted circle that looks like the snout of a pig. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called brown snout, uh, and so its its likeness to an animal gave it its name. It's it's wonderful. There's all sorts of names from all, all over the place. That's really cool, though. And can have you named one? Can you dream of naming one? <laughs> no, I've not. I've not. Um, I've not discovered uh, 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 an apple. This this whole thing about breed or breeding, you know, apples. Um, you have to you have to bud them or graft them to replicate them. Um, mm-hmm. So every time that you, if you planted a pip from an apple and let it grow, it would be its own unique apple. Um, and I particularly admire people who, it's like playing the apple lottery. If you plant out pips and you just spend your life going around trying chance seedlings to see if they're any good, you, you, you hopefully at one stage, some stage will come across something that's good. But it's it's very slim. The likelihood is very slim. So <laughs> there's there's a it's a heck of a challenge to um, come up uh, uh, with a new variety that's going to be successful in, in this method. So you're much better off uh, doing it by breeding, which you which you are now seeing happen genetically. They're they're, they're taking the DNA from. Uh, uh, apples with the characteristics that you're looking for and what they've done is they've bypassed the need to actually grow the apple they can just put the dna together and see if it works and and by doing that if you don't have to actually grow the apple or produce the apple you speed up 
the ability to arrive at a new variety much, much more rapidly. I attended a talk in um, Massachusetts at the end of last year, and I'm I'm very sorry, but I can not remember the professor's name. He's a young chap, um, and they are pushing the creation of new varieties of apples so much more faster now that we don't have to rely on actually cultivating an apple, letting it grow, and then deciding if it's got the characteristics you need. So I think maybe the 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 brave new world of apple design is with us um and whether it's going to produce apples that are any better for making cider i don't know but i certainly gave him the characteristics that i'd want to see in in if 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 i was asked to say what characteristics i needed in one apple uh but my gut feeling is that we're still going to need lots of different apples to give us lots of different characteristics uh, to make great cider for the foreseeable future anyway. Yeah. Well, it feels like naming a planet or naming a star or something like that. You know, it's, it feels, <laughs> uh, feels like a big deal. But then, and then I suppose there's a Brian Cox joke in there somewhere. Yes. If, well, you, look, well, well, if you look hard enough. <laughs> you know, one of the things that is fun and that I've really lucky to do was discovering varieties that have been lost um there's a particular variety called the copy peri pear that i had been using and, and picking from a, a single tree in an orchard for years before i realized that it actually was a variety that had been lost and uh this one mature tree is still the only mature tree of this variety in existence and there were orchards of this variety at the end of the 1800s. Um, on the Hereford-Worcester border, there were 10-acre orchards of this copy peri pear tree. None of them none of them exist anymore. There's this one mature tree which we've taken um, budwood from and created lots of baby copy trees which have been distributed to uh, orchardists around the county um, so that the variety is saved for the time being, uh, but it's extraordinary to think that you know th- this this situation. You you are there are varieties that have been lost and, and the trees have gone completely, or you might be down to just one mature tree of a particular variety. So it's great to be able to find it and save it. Um, Brilliant, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's great work, and you know. You don't think about these things, you know, and, and as a and as a consumer and, and thinking about the consumers, you know, I, I think we're the great unwashed really when it comes to cider. We just really don't understand it yet and it's it's not had its its big moment yet. So I mean, what can be done to try and change those perceptions or that people might have? There's a f- there's a few things. The the one aspect of it is there needs to be lots of producers, cider makers who who value the the way uh, of making cider and the, the 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 way of making cider that promotes the apple itself uh, and the qualities of the apple that lets the you know interprets what the apple is is offering you and and, and thereby make cider that is um, made in the way that the great wines would be made you 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 make the fruit do the talking and um this this needs cider makers 
at the moment we are seeing more cider makers seeing this opportunity seeing the values uh, uh, that they believe in um, and so there's there's the opportunity to possibly come across this cider more often but you still have to get this message through to people so we we work very hard and one of the reasons that I'm I'm really pleased with uh, with Felix at the Fine Cider Company in keeping his his business buoyant and happening during this period of time is that he sees this uh, picture uh, of for cider he sees it on the table he sees it um, pairing well with food he sees the opportunities there so he's talking directly with uh, chefs sommeliers mm. and we we see the opportunity for cider is if we can position cider in good restaurants then once people see this happening they will then go this is working in this situation i think we need this in 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 our situation so we're working on a trickle down effect um by by getting cider in some wonderful restaurants um like my favorite london restaurant lyles and pairing oh yeah lyles amazing yeah, and pairing it with great dishes made from ingredients of the highest quality based on english produce um and it's it's a great situation to get cider in so this is this is what we're doing so we need to get out there we need to do tastings and talks we need to do matching um pairing uh, dinners and so forth and we need to just try and get it distributed more widely uh, and so once again this is this is where um the challenge is and then the final hurdle of course is the, the gatekeepers as i call them the publicans um the, those those people uh who are actually the people who will buy cider and they, they've they think they know what cider is because they've been bombarded and deluged with um, cider that's kegged and uh, readily available and may possibly be, uh, I understand, being offered at uh, three kegs for the price of two, etc., etc. So uh, they, there's formidable pressure on them to purchase certain types of cider. But I also think that the opportunity exists for people to take a, a cider that is of a different level altogether and still see immense possibilities for it um, in terms of their business because the margins on it will be higher. Uh, the qualities that they will get uh, um, from that cider will also translate into, for them, it will be a, a product that's distinctly different, has a really good story behind it, Great authenticity, great traceability, uh, can well reek of things if you want to talk in terms of terroir and so forth. It it yeah. it has so much going for it. So we we need we need to be just letting people know that this 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 cider that they didn't know exists exists. Um, and I'm I'm really 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 pleased with the way the progress has been made. Uh, this combination of new cider makers um, all around the country, which is fantastic. The, the Find and Fosters, the Little Pomonas, the Kentish Pips, um, they're, 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 they're all different 
different types of apple or pear, uh, different styles of cider, but all authentically keen to bring cider to a quality cider to a wider audience. Um, and, and it's, it's happening. It's happening. It's always going to be a slow burner. I mean, we're, you know, you know, um, that, that we accept. Um, and I think probably once again, if we go back to this m- music analogy, uh, if you, uh, if it takes a while to get up to the top, it'll take a while to get back down to the bottom. So, you know, it won't, it won't be a sharp, uh, success and failure. It'll, it'll be a lovely gentle ascent. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that's what side is doing at the moment. Yeah. Well, the little Pomona team, um, I've met on a few occasions, you know, at these conferences and things like that. And they seem to be doing some wonderful stuff as well. Yeah. And then just, just on your stuff then. So obviously you're not just doing cider and perry. You've got a range of cooking products as well on the website. Uh, like your cider vinegars and things like that. Yes, yes. Well, uh, um, uh, one of the uh, <laughs> one one of the byproducts of of failed of failed um, uh, cider is vinegar, and of course, vinegar has a a, a great value to chefs um, and to uh, cooks and uh, to anyone interested in in, in you know marinating, um, etc. So. We see it as a real asset, actually, to the category because we can quite often encourage people to use cider, you know, in cocktails as well. So it, yeah. it gets you it, it gets you an in to a situation, and then if people start using it and, and it, it becomes part of a dish, then they go, well, what about pairing one of your ciders or perries with this dish because we're using a vinegar in the marinade? And it, it just, once again, it opens up the conversation and keeps the conversation alive. Excellent. Okay, well, last couple of things then, I'll let you go um, back out to the sunshine. Um, but then we just do a thing called Mark Out of 10, which is some fun stuff in terms of, uh, you know, what you like eating and drinking and all that. So you're well-traveled. So best city to eat in? It, it's very hard, this. Um I'm going to say London because it's the city I know best um, in terms of the, the myriad of choices you've got. Um, I, I think it's a fabulous city to eat in, but uh, I, I've eaten very, very well in almost every city uh, uh, around the world because there, there are fabulous restaurants out there and I just can't wait until they can all get, get back open again. <laughs> and then best restaurant you said Lyle's um, was a good one is that the best or is there some others you can think of I I've I it I have had the best lunch I've ever had in Lyle's and um, it, I, it just it was such a great all-round experience um, mm. from the food the ambience the drink, the company, the whole thing w- was phenomenal. And uh, it's not by chance. It's something that I know so many people who go there and get get have a fabulous experience. So it's good. But there are, you know, I I can I love the Wanda. Uh, there's a it's it's run by Alexis Noble. She's Australian. And mm-hmm. she she is a, a, a one woman whirlwind. Um, she 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 is on her own in that kitchen at night, 
cooking for everybody. Um, and I, I just can't believe the quality of the food that comes out in that situation is phenomenal. The, the staff she has understand exactly what's going on and, and, and the whole experience again. And it isn't just, it's not just the food and the drink. There's, there's all, all my favorite restaurants have that extra bit that makes the experience of going there and eating there phenomenal. So I, I love there. I love Sunday lunch at the Marksman. Um, oh yeah, on Acne Road there. I just absolutely love that. I love, uh, for a for a, for a night experience. I love uh, Bredos, the Mexican place. Uh, oh yeah, Mexican with with mezcal in buckets. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, once again, one of the best nights I've ever had. Uh, <laughs> wonderful food, uh, food that c- can look so brilliant um colors the taste the textures um that 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 was brilliant um and i'm actually you know let's see who else uh before before uh, this covid came along i was going to do uh, a dinner with tim anderson at nambam which is japanese inspired yeah. food well that's something that we had to postpone so hopefully we get to do that but we had a fantastic time pairing uh, ciders and peris with the vegetarian Japanese food. Um, and uh, it made me realize uh, I've, I've spent my life loving steak and, 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 and eating steak, a lot of steaks everywhere. Um, there's a lot of great steak out there, I believe. Um, but the possibilities and potential for cider uh, with vegetarian food is immense. Um, mm. That's something that uh, I'm very keen on pursuing but it's no good me doing it on my own. I I, I need lots of diners joining me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. So yeah. London. You know, that's just a few places in London. There's so many great places. But and then best dish. What's your go-to? If if you want to show off cider, I think mussels in cider and cream. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love mussels in cider with cream. But that would probably be my starter. And mm-hmm. I'm 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 going to say it because I know this is not adventurous. I know this is oh, people will go oh no. <laughs> I love steak. I I love steak. I love uh, I love a peppered steak, flamed in brandy, inside of brandy, of course. Uh, yeah. Uh, and that's wonderful. Um, and then. I also love because we've got to start the day. I love the Olympic breakfast at Hereford bus station. All right, I I not have breakfast anywhere in the world. It would be their big breakfast at the bus station. It's just fantastic. Um, right. Well, that that sounds like the little chef they used to do Olympic breakfast, didn't they? It, yeah, yeah. They've they've, <laughs> they've copied a yeah, yeah. So yeah, ah, uh, this I love my food. That's yeah, I love my food. Sounds ideal. I'd be up for that. Um, and then best drink. So out with the stuff that you do on your own, but I'd also be keen to know what you, which one or two products you absolutely love that you do as well. All right. So my best drink. Oh dear, I didn't know I wasn't going to be allowed to pick cider. Um. Oh. Oh. <laughs> good. You've got me going now. All right, Mark. Well, <laughs> what am I going to go for? Um. 
so the so the one the 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 one drink that I'm besotted with um and love love it is 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 lambic and gerzes um so um i'm a massive cantillon and drifontaine and fan and so any any wonderful gerz from either of those two producers is is my the one the wonder drink it's it's just it's an absolute delight to drink um yeah so yeah any good any good cider brandy calvados apple brandy shipwreck from julian temperley uh, and then yeah i developed a real liking for mezcal after going to bredos um, nice so yeah so I'll, I'll take all those please um, <laughs> <laughs> says we got busy day <laughs> and, and cider wise well i mean i do drink my own but I, I like to drink other people so i i was going to give you on the cider front what i wanted to do and it's my favorite once again it's about experience so my favorite in the last three or four years, my favorite drinking experience has been at uh, drinking a pint of uh, New Forest Kingston Black at the uh, London Cider House in Borough Market and uh, chatting with uh, Mary Top, the owner, and just shooting the breeze, enjoying a cider, and you're in Borough Market with surrounded by so much great food um a lot of <clears throat> use the word in inverted commas artisan producers or artisan produce food um and it for me it's it's it i know as a as a place it appeals a lot to tourists and everything but if if you're a tourist and you're going to come and you're going to be able to experience all those different foods and drinks under one roof then Borough Market is a fantastic experience, and drinking cider in the middle of Borough Market is a real fantastic experience. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Brilliant. Okay, well, Mister, I better let you go and get on with your life. Um, I'm going to order some stuff for sure. Um, I'm going to get on that this afternoon. Um, you've just really got me in the mood for it, and um, yeah, I can put the put the dark fruits to one side and uh, <laughs> get some real stuff. Um, yeah, but I, I just really appreciate you taking the time, and I know you're busy, and it's great to to talk about the music side of things as well because that's my, yeah. my my main passion in life. So yeah, really exciting. So brilliant. Well, I wish you well. Thanks, Mark. Thank thanks for uh, thanks for asking me to talk about things that I love. So uh, it's it great, and um, all the best to you too. So there you have it, another great guest on the Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Thanks so much for listening and telling all of your friends about the podcast. We're seeing those listening numbers go up and up and up every single week. Thanks so much for writing into us every week and rating, reviewing, subscribing and sharing. We really, really couldn't do this without you. A huge thanks also to our headline sponsor, Engage Interactive, for anything that you need digitally, whether that's SEO, websites, PPC, apps, CRM, emails, any of that stuff, please get in touch with Alex at Engage and he will definitely help you out. Thanks also to our headline sponsors, BDO, who've been with us since day one, supporting us all the way through. Again, if you have any financial needs, financial queries, you need some help with your financial strategy, 
your mergers and acquisitions or building your business even bigger, please get in touch with Peter at bdo.co.uk and he will help you out. Check out Peter Hemington. Him and the team will help you out too sweet. Huge thanks also to Gaz and Gabby for all of their help in putting the podcast together. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off. Bless you. Thanks for listening. And I really hope that this episode has given you so much value that it will help your brand boom. Boom.